0: Welcome to Restore Justice. Joe Abraham here. I'm sitting here with Bruce Strom, the founder of Administer Justice. uh, As we talk about God's heart for justice, Uh, we talk about um, what restorative gospel justice really is. And as our listeners are listening in, hopefully if you're listening for the first time, you'll go back and listen to the first couple episodes that really set the stage for what we're calling the ABCs. Of gospel justice. Uh, We've worked our way through the A's. Uh, today, we're going to talk about B, the B of gospel justice, which is really the biblical aspect of it. So, Ruth, I'm just going to let you run with this. Walk us through why justice, uh, without a biblical foundation and with the Bible wrapped all around it, is really not even justice.
1: That is so true. And I want to root our listeners, um, volunteers, others that are part of this work, in just a simple image that is the word justice. If you look at the word justice, what is the very heart of justice? What is at the very center of justice? Well, it's a letter T. But if you picture that T as a cross, then you would really understand that the heart of justice is the cross of Jesus. Um, And that's something I write in the new book, Persevering Power, uh, and it's something I just encourage because we have so abdicated, I think, justice in the Christian realm, in the church world. We ceded it to society that is always going to follow its own ends and its own means to those ends. And then we're dismayed when we see things happening in society that we don't understand. But we stop being salt and light as we should be and understanding justice properly, because justice understood properly is all about God and his character and his Mm. conduct and his court and all of these things that permeate scripture. I mean, Joe, I'm a Baptist preacher's kid. Yeah. Grew up reading the Bible, grew up in the church, and somehow I missed that justice for the poor and vulnerable is the second most prominent theme in Scripture. No kidding. I mean, think about how many sermons you hear on a Sunday morning. How do you hear that as the second most prominent talked about theme? Uh, So we miss it. We miss the opportunity to really demonstrate what God has to say about justice, how much He cares about it, how much He invites us to care about it. It's literally modeled by Jesus Christ. It's what He spent His time doing. Yes, he taught in the synagogue, but he spent most of his time on the street Mm -hmm. um, interacting with individuals, healing them, feeding them, restoring them, always as a way to point them to himself as the Messiah, Mm -hmm. that he was the way, the truth, and the life, but he did not ignore the practical needs, and he brought those together. And that's really what it means when he said that all of Scripture could be summarized in what? We know the great commands. They are, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the gospel. That's, that's truly understanding God's good news of salvation um, through Jesus. Loving neighbor is justice in action. That's how we demonstrate this. And you can't separate. We've, for too long, the church has separated the gospel and justice, or at least segments of the church. Uh, and they need to be brought back together together.
0: You know, it's really interesting, the picture you gave of, of Jesus' work here on earth, right? Teaching the synagogues, but then really spending most of the time on the streets. Isn't that interesting that most of the people who were drawn to him and the crowds that followed him and all that were because of how he was meeting their practical needs? So meeting their practical needs drew them to him. And I, we all know that people in their most broken state are probably most open to the gospel. So what a great opportunity it is for a church or volunteer or a lawyer to meet someone in that moment where they feel like the walls are closing in, be of some support, and then see what can happen uh, on the kingdom building side. Very interesting.
1: Yeah. So I love my friends who cringe at the word social justice. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's cringeworthy. I mean, it's been corrupted like so many things. Even yeah. The word justice has become almost cringeworthy, even yeah. though it's very much the foundation of God's. Uh, throne, because it is social. What you're saying, how Jesus lived it out in society. It's just that people have we twisted have it, abdicated and, yeah. it, and so their version is their own. Right? Mm-hmm. It comes out of them instead of what is a rooted truth in God. Hmm. Uh, but we should recognize that that God's rooted truth is social. It is to be lived outside of our walls. It is to invite our neighbors to see God as He truly is. Hmm. Um, And to invite them into his presence. Mm. And Jesus himself met people at their lowest points. Uh, And that's when they would turn to him. And that's when many of us probably have stories of that, at being really at a low point in our life when we finally realized we needed Jesus. And we see that all the time in our gospel justice
0: centers. Interesting. So justice is social. Um, That's an interesting aha, hopefully, for our listeners as well. And justice is also political, even though we don't like
1: to say that. And let me say that even when I say that, um, it's not about the politics that people want to make it, right? They want to tear down or destroy or set up their own thing. It's more about the politics of the kingdom. We are members of a different system, the kingdom of God. Mm. The kingdom of God, as its system, is all about justice. Mm. Uh, And if we understood it in that realm, then we'd understand, yes, and that truly justice is biblical, not political in many ways, because it's not the politics of this world, even though some of those things matter, and we should care about, and we should vote as um, concerned citizens, but at the end of the day, we're marching to a different drum, and we need to advance the kingdom of God, and I don't know how we can do that when its very foundation is justice and righteousness. We cannot ignore justice. How interesting. Okay.
0: Okay. Keep going. You're you're unpacking for us this idea that there's not, well, it's not even a connection between justice and the Bible or justice and God. It's the same thing. It's it's high priority to him. You mentioned earlier, second most prominent theme in the Bible. I'm sure you'll help us have an aha on that, Um, but keep teaching us on this.
1: Yeah. So, I love Jeremiah 9, 23, and 24 because this is where a lot of us, we just want to do it in our own strength. That's what a lot of my justice-loving friends um, sometimes do, or, uh, or we think in the church we just have to have to teach but not actually live it out. Um, and Jeremiah nine twenty three and 24 really challenges It says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this— that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. And if that's what our God
0: delights in, we should delight in that as well. Get on the program quick. Okay, that's that's interesting. And I'm sure there's so many more uh, verses and passages that you'll Uh, draw our our attention to over the next few sessions. Um, So how do you get there? So let's say there's very clear message in the Bible about justice and a biblical approach to justice, what's the solution? How do you get there?
1: Well, certainly as we read our Bibles, I hope that we uh, begin to see the common theme. It is the second most prominent theme, and there are more than 2,000 verses on justice. You can pick up a Poverty and Justice Bible by the American Bible Society that actually literally highlights the verses throughout the Bible, uh, and just an understanding. Now, Uh, understanding it's sometimes hard because in English we have these words, justice and righteousness, the Mm -hmm. foundation of God's throne, but those have a common root. That's why it's one throne because Mm -hmm. in Hebrew, which is a consonant um, system, it's literally the same word, Mm "setek." And when you fill it in, if you fill it in with an A, sadic, then it's righteousness. If you fill it in with an E, sadic, it's justice. And so, but they, they have the common, same common foundation that right living, righteousness with God is demonstrated through right actions toward others, justice. Oh, say that again. So, right living with God right is is righteousness right yeah. that's rightness right action before others is is justice which and is an outflowing of the right living with god right and so those two things and we see it all throughout scripture uh, and if we just understood setic which is again could be translated as as righteousness or justice and is in different places in the bible or mishpat which is um, even more common, and it's kind of a balancing of scales. Oh, uh, that's probably where that image comes from. And that's the image that you see throughout Scripture. Oh, hey, you, you're, uh, you're un, you have unbalanced scales. You're right. taking advantage of people. You're oppressing others. Yeah. Uh, and it's about righting that which is wrong, restoring what is broken, and that's kind of mishpat. Jews understand this better because their lawyers are even called mishpatan. Oh so, no! Kidding. Mishpatin is a Jewish lawyer because he's supposed to be about justice, like an
0: administrator of justice. Yeah, an administrator
1: of justice. Yeah, that's a, that's a great word, um, and that's that's really, I think, the opportunity for lawyers to understand that. When I talk to them, is to understand God's heart in that justice. That we are mishpatin. That we should be carrying out justice, not just law and its interpretations. Things, yeah, but true justice, which our verse for administer justice comes from Zechariah 7, 9, which is administer true justice, Mm. show mercy and compassion to one another. Mm. And that's an opportunity for lawyers to uh, live into that and to understand that too much is given, much is required. And lawyers certainly have been given much in this country.
0: So isn't that interesting? Because from a lawyer's perspective, let's say I went to law school and I graduated and I got, you know, went to the big firm to build my, rep, you know, my reputation and kind of build myself up, I may, have, I may feel like I'm on my calling because God gave me some talents. I went to law school. I'm now using them. You're suggesting that there may be an even greater opportunity while making lots of money and being very successful, doing all kinds of law, uh, there's an opportunity to do God's version of justice at the same time. Absolutely. I mean, I love, um, there was a, a,
1: a famous um, broadcaster who asked Mother Teresa when she was alive how she got her call mm. to serve the poor. And she said to him simply, young man, I didn't get a call to serve the poor. I had a call to follow Jesus, and I followed him to the poor. Mm. And that should be a call for every, every person, but certainly for a lawyer who has a very unique gift to be able to follow Jesus into serving the poor, tithing just a portion of their time it 's not all god doesn 't God demands all of us, but hes he certainly wants us to earn a living and there 's nothing wrong with that and there 's certainly yeah. nothing wrong with making money it 's only if money becomes your god but but a portion of that should be cheerfully and gladly
0: given in the service of the vulnerable in the service of the poor, because by definition well I guess yeah, I could say it by definition, a lawyer doesn't get to serve the poor right right that yeah 95 percent of legal careers I'm not serving the poor I'm serving the opposite of the poor so where can I find a few extra hours a month to use those same talents to do gospel justice yeah amen and I what I have loved
1: seeing is the transformation that takes place in lawyers lives as they live outside of themselves and they truly come alive because They are enslaved to a six-minute clock, many of them. They literally track their time in tenths of an hour Mm -hmm. to bill it out, and they have certain billable expectations placed upon them, and that can become a merciless master. But when you step outside of that, and now you're not worried about that time, and you can sit alongside um, a neighbor that has great needs, and you can cut through all the clutter like lawyers can do, figure out what's legal, what's not legal, put together a plan around that which is legal for next steps and give clarity out of the confusion and freedom from fear. It just, it's such a huge service for the individual you're sitting alongside and they can't believe that you're taking your time, Hmm. but it transforms the lives of the lawyer as well. No kidding. I, I love one of my lawyer friends in Arizona. Her name's Allison. And I, I, she wrote to me um, just about this kind of transformation. We hmm. hear this from many, many lawyers, but Allison said, thank you for being the Lord's vessel to bring me into this amazing opportunity to provide help and hope to the most vulnerable among us, I literally have spent every free moment immersed in all I can learn about gospel justice and the work of Administered Justice and its partners. My head and heart are spinning with all of this, as I was not seeking this opportunity, nor did I even know it existed. It feels so perfect for me, but I still can't believe it's happening. I'm not kidding when I said I didn't even know that there was another Christian attorney in America other than me. The timing of all this coming into my life is crazy perfect, freaky cool, just trying to process it all. It's such a blessing to me that it's actually quite emotional for me after all I've been through as a single mom. My go-to-Bible scriptures for the past 10 years have been Genesis 50:20 and Romans 8:28. In my wildest dreams, I wouldn't think that a month before my daughter was turning 18, me wrapping up a long, hard road of single motherhood, wondering what was next for me, that the Lord would open up the door to my next chapter of life, where I would seamlessly walk from being the victim to the advocate, immediately giving purpose to my suffering before I even took a breath of the emptiness of emptiness life. It's just a mind-blowing experience of the hand of God
0: in my life. So this is not a scenario where she quit her job at a law firm or left her partnership to go do this stuff, right? Because sometimes right. I would think lawyers would think, or even even church people would think, well, I got to go stop what I'm doing to go do this mega full-time thing. She's gainfully employed. She's got a great story that God's brought her through. And now she's going to be able to take, what, four or five hours a month? Four hours a month and invest it. And she's getting this kind of impact from it in her own life. Absolutely. Pretty cool. So the ABCs of restorative Gospel Justice. We've talked through the A's. We've talked about the biblical side of this and why it's so important. In our next episodes, we'll get into the C's. We'll see you all soon.
1: Restore Justice is a podcast production of Administer Justice. Learn more and connect with us at administerjustice.org.